And so good afternoon from Maui, Hawaii, where it's 10 in the morning, West Coast, it's 1 in the afternoon, and of course 4 p.m. on the East Coast of the United States. And thanks for being with us today for this week's edition of the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner. And our theme for the day today is personal and spiritual development books, our favorite books. I'm going to go down my list and give you the titles and the authors and maybe tell you a little story about how I discovered the book and most importantly, what I learned from that book and why I consider it to be one of the very best books, not only in my background, but likely for your growth and development to talk about why you should consider having this book or that book in your personal library and on your shelf. So we'll begin here in just a moment. I have a couple of announcements to make. For those of you who are just coming online, I want to remind you that uh, there's a couple of ways that you can hear this every week. First of all, live, as we're doing now, uh, which is the most fun. I think you get a sense of people being on the line, and we're going to go to your questions and comments a little bit later. Those listening on the phone, we've had to mute you out for obvious reasons, but the uh, web people, uh, you can submit questions in that box. And as I mentioned just before we started, the replay is always available on my website under web teleconferences. Just click the home page to go in and then web teleconference. That's at theagelesswisdom.com or michaelbenner.com. Also, the podcast, you can subscribe to that for free of this event. And uh, so there's a couple of ways that you can hear the replay, either by going to the archive on my website or subscribing to the podcast. also want to encourage you to forward the invitations that you get usually on Friday with a little reminder on Sunday morning. Uh, help us, uh, you know, these are all free. The newsletter is free, the webinar is free, the archive of the newsletter, the audio archive of the webinar is all free. And uh, uh, something I personally love to do and really look forward to doing uh, every Sunday. So I hope you'll help spread the word that this free programming is available. It's hard to find. It's hard to get elsewhere. And, uh, you know, I think the best thing about telling your friends about it is that, uh, and I'm talking about people that you know would be interested. There's no point telling people you know who are not interested in who they are and what they're capable of doing and having and being. Uh, If they're not interested, I don't know, maybe you could do a little sales number on them, but I'm mostly talking about sharing the invitation, forwarding the email to people that you think uh, really will be interested because they're friends of yours, and then you have somebody to talk to afterwards and say, did you hear that program, and uh, did you like it, what did you learn from it, what did you think about that, and so on and so forth. It's nice to network that way, and uh, you know, the whole thing being free as it is, there's really no advertising budget. We're just counting on uh, this thing growing in a viral fashion. That's the way it's described these days, a viral uh, growth. So hope on Fridays or Saturdays, uh, when you get a chance, 
you'll think of somebody that you know who would really like to be here on Sunday or at least listen to the replay or whatever. So do forward those emails and tell your friends about it. We appreciate it. All right. Well, today, as I have mentioned a couple of times now, we're going to talk about my favorite books. This is always fun for me. I really enjoy doing this. I've done radio programs like this all my career. Uh, in fact, I, one of the very first talk shows I ever did as a young man just out of college uh, working in Detroit. And uh, the talk show host got sick. I was the news director, and they said, would you cover and do the talk show? And I said, uh, yeah, I guess, but <laughs> I don't know what to say or what to do or what to talk about. And uh, what I decided to do was talk about favorite books and open up the telephones. And folks called and talked about their favorite books. So uh, I've done it on and off throughout my career. And as I became more interested as a journalist in the human potential and personal development field, what is often called self-help or self-improvement or human potential, of course, my interest in these books became concentrated. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm going to run down for you some of my favorite personal and spiritual development books. We'll start with the personal development books, and I'll tell you what I love about them and why you might want to consider adding this book or that book to your own collection. We'll do the personal development and the spiritual development. And uh, if you get a brainstorm, you don't hear me mention a book you really like and Maybe you think it's a seminal book, very important book for people interested in developing themselves. You know, you can put that into the submit uh, question or comment box on the web page there. Click the word submit and it'll come through. And we'll talk about those as well. I believe it's Aldous Huxley who gets credit for the quotation that Everybody wants to change the world, but few people think about changing themselves. It is odd. Um, I think probably the reason that we have that kind of focus is it's less risky uh, to want to change the world so that we benefit than changing ourselves so that the world benefits. The, that latter has a little more risk involved in it. But uh, if you really understand who you are as a spiritual being in form, then there's really no risk involved. Everybody has something wonderful to bring to the table. I mean, there's obviously fingerprint evidence and now DNA proof of our uniqueness and our individuality. So everybody's got something to offer. And that's really where I want to begin today as we review these books, that the best way to change the world is to change yourself. Um, even if we think in terms of a peace movement, for example, or a search for uh, peace and justice, rather than consider changing the world, making it a more peaceful place so that you have more peace of mind, turn that around and generate some peace of mind the insight and understanding that follows as a result of that, and then give your insight and understanding, your peace of mind to the world. Just like a drop of water that you know impacts a pool of water will send ripples radiating out from the inside out. You are a radiant being. Give yourself to the world. And so 
Baha to do that, how could they be uh, anything but the most important books that we have available to us? As my friend and partner Steve Snyder likes to say, books are the best way to learn from people who are dead or far away. And we've got the Internet, we've got e-books now, electronic books, these Kindle readers, uh, digital documents and all of that. But as, as fine as that is and as wonderful as all these new alternative media are, gosh, as I said in my email on Friday, nothing is quite as wonderful as curling up on uh, a sofa or a comfortable easy chair. Uh, with a good book and uh, settle it in. So I think we'll always have books, whatever other kind of media we have. So let's begin the list, and uh, this is in no particular order other than that I want to do the personal development first, and then we'll transition into the spiritual development a little bit. So in no particular order, uh, let's start with one of my favorite books, uh, probably bought five or six copies of this over the years. It's a very simple book. It's a short book. It's an easy read. It's one of those books you can open up at any time on any page. Just put your finger in there and uh, find yourself pointing to a great truth, something profound and really relevant. It's James Allen. That's E-N-A-L-L-E-N. James Allen. As a Man Thinketh, this book is about 80 years old and an absolute classic in the field. I bet uh, lots of folks listening right now know this book and have this book. And it's the power of thought. This is focused on one of the key principles that what we put our attention on expands, that mind is magnetic, and that uh, especially when the mind is calm, and the emotional nature is tranquil. What we put our attention on become the seeds of reality. I think one of my favorite quotations of this book is that your dreams are the seedlings of reality. Consider that. Your dreams are the seedlings of reality. Now, in the same way, your fears are the seedlings of reality, too. You put your attention on what you do not want, and it's like planting deliberately weeds and briars and brambles in your garden, then, you know, if those are the seeds, then that's what's going to be produced by the garden. And uh, so there's such a thing as a positive approach to negative thinking, but it's only to learn what we can from the negative and then turn around and create with this fertile mind and fertile heart that we have, a garden where we grow what we do want to grow. And so you reap what you sow is the allegory that James Allen works uh, very strongly in this wonderful little bedside book, As a Man Thinketh. I think it's uh, a great gift. You can often find this book, not only in bookstores, but in gift shops as well. And there's countless different versions of it and uh, makes a great gift and a great entry point, really. Maybe that's why I put it here first on my list. It's a wonderful entry point if you have family members or friends who you'd like to introduce to the personal development field. This is a good place to begin. 
another great book, though now we're going to get into books that are a little more complicated, a little more complex, a little pithier. Um, again, in no particular order. I, I, I guess I've, I've tried to bring some of my favorites to the top of this list. would have to be The Master Key System by Charles Hanel. Now, this is also an old book, probably 80 or 90 years old, from the first part of the 20th century. Charles, middle initial F, last name Hanel, with two A's. It's H-A-A-N-E-L, Charles F. Hanel. Uh, good luck finding it. It is available. It's technically out of print, but because it's in the public domain, there are people who have chosen to publish it. Uh, I believe Kessinger Books, uh, Kessinger.net, uh, does a uh, version of this book that you can buy. And there's other editions available. The Master Key System by Charles Fennell. Very good new thought book, again, about the way the mind and the emotional nature work together when we breathe and relax and reduce stimulus in our lives, how the mind opens up and what we can do with uh, what he calls the master key system, the keys to creating your reality. Charles F. Fennell, real good book. An oldie, but a goodie. Okay. Here's a book that uh, I was given in the early 1970s. I was working in radio in Detroit at the time, fresh out of college, in my early 20s, just a boy, really. And a fellow walked in off the street into the radio station and said, and he asked for the talk show guy, the news guy, that was me, and he said, uh, you need to meet me. And I said, I do. Nobody had ever said that to me before. Nobody's ever said that to me since. I need to meet you. Well, okay. Um, I figure he's pitching for a spot on my talk show, wants to be a guest, probably has something to promote. Um, turns out that he did. What he was promoting was a way that vacant lots could be used, especially in the, the poor neighborhoods of Detroit to grow food for the people that lived there. And he went about uh, organizing the community to clean up these vacant lots to get the permission from the city and the owners to use these vacant lots to grow food for people who lived in the area. I remember a cynic saying, well, that's crazy. People will come and steal the food. And he said, only if they're hungry and need it. Uh, Bill Manning was his name from Dallas, Texas. I don't know whatever happened to Bill. But I tell the story and bring it up because in addition to telling me at the time, Michael, you need to meet me, he gave me a little booklet. It was about three inches by five inches. It was, was not only small, it was uh, short. I mean, the kind of booklet that you could sit on and read in 20 or 30 minutes. At the time, you could buy that booklet for 50 cents. Today, it's still in print. There are uh, more than a million copies in a dozen languages all over the world. One of the great prosperity books of all time, simply called It Works. I'm talking about the It Works book. That's the title of the book, It Works. And the author uses the initials RHJ. 
There's an old concept in metaphysics and mysticism that when you do good works, when you're charitable and philanthropic, the whole process works much better for all concerned when you do it without taking credit or seeking uh, to be acknowledged. Uh, if you've ever seen the movie The Magnificent Obsession, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, there are even references in the New Testament to this. You know, uh, a prayer in public is really not a prayer, and charity uh, in public, where everybody can see you giving money away, is really not charity. And so that's why there has been this tradition in metaphysics, in many cases anyway, of people just using initials. Um, Blavatsky's work is often signed HPB. Alice Bailey's work is often referred to as having been written by AAB. And so we have the same thing here, RHJ. And so when you look for it, that's all you need to know. The author has these three initials. The author is RHJ, and the title, It Works. A wonderful little treatise, uh, primer on manifestation. By the way, we do know that this man's name is Jarrett. J-A-R-R-E-T-T, and he did write other books. And this little booklet, again, has been around for about 80 or 90 years, and it's still published by a big metaphysical publishing house in Marina del Rey called uh, Devores. Not Divorce, but Devores, D-E-V-O-R-S-S, big metaphysical publishing house. You can order this uh from Amazon or any one of a number of online uh, uh, online uh, book dealers, but you're not likely to find it in your local neighborhood bookstore. Even a place like the Bodhi Tree, uh, Alexandria Bookstore in Pasadena, Alexandria 2, I think they call it, in Pasadena, or the Psychic Eye Bookstores, they have it from time to time, but they often sell out. So This is a book about making a list and reading the list three times a day. It's uh, it's the law of attraction without the visualization. <clears throat> it's creating magnetic consciousness without the relaxation or the alpha brainwave level. It's just making a list, and it's exceedingly powerful. You make a list writing down what you want on that list, and three times a day you set aside 30 seconds <laughs> to... To, to just review that list. It has the tendency to cancel out and counterbalance or act as an antidote to all of our negative thinking during the rest of the day. You know, the the mind, especially when it's stressed, is so negative that we answer thoughts about, I could do this, and I could be that, and I could have this, and I could go here. Any kind of exciting dream that comes up in our minds the tendency of a highly anxious and highly stressed mind is to answer it with a negative. You can't do that. What are you, crazy? That'll never happen. You're, have you forgotten how inadequate and stupid you are? And on and on and on. Um, that's why we have to know ourselves more through emotional and spiritual intelligence than mental intelligence because when you use your mind to understand yourself, it's just so self-critical and, and, and 
self-loathing. So here's a way of using normal consciousness, the wide awake state, to, it's kind of a treasure map, okay? If you know about mind mapping, uh, just make a list. And uh, this 50 cent booklet is now three and a half bucks, but a bargain at twice the price. RHJs, it works, okay? Richard Bach is maybe best known for having written Jonathan Livingston Seagull, which is a really nice book, a beautiful book. It was made into a movie some 20 years ago. Uh, Richard Bach hails from Newport Beach, California. He currently lives in, uh, I must say, a very isolated and, and uh, almost... Um, Oh, like a uh, like a hermit or a monk, he lives in a very remote area of Washington State, and he doesn't really come out much. I had the good fortune a couple of years ago now, two maybe three years ago, to interview Richard Bach by telephone, and uh, it was uh, a wonderful experience having him on my radio show uh, on KPFK in L.A., even if only by telephone, Richard Bach. Uh, now, again, I mentioned the Seagull book, Jonathan Livingston Seagull, and uh, that's really born of his experience as a young man growing up, uh, as a boy growing up in the 50s in, uh, in Newport Beach, California, and the Seagulls down there. Um, you may know some of his other books, like uh, One or Bridge, well, it's Bridge Across Forever or Bridge to Forever, great love story. Without a doubt, my favorite Richard Bach book, though, Head and Shoulders Above All the Others, and really a classic in the field of personal and spiritual development, is his book, Illusions. Illusions or Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah, that's the subtitle. But Illusions is a wonderful primer. It's First of all, uh, on the surface, it's a, it's a great little novel uh, or novella. It's uh, it's a fiction. It's a, a story based on Richard Bach's love of flying airplanes and barnstorming and pretending to be the seagull, something about the freedom of, of flying. And so in the story of, of illusions, he meets another barnstorming pilot who is his mentor is his or, or his guru, and uh, they fly around barnstorming in the daytime at uh, late afternoon they land in some farmer's field someplace and uh, build a little campfire and talk story and that's when the meat of the book comes out as Richard Bach is mentored by this other pilot who is a kind of a mystic or a, or a swami and uh, there's the tale of the blue feather and again the law of attraction in action in Richard Bach's book, Illusions. It really all comes forward around the blue feather, and you'll know what I'm talking about once you read the book. Uh, really highly recommend Illusions. It's, uh, again, fiction, but contains some immutable universal truths about who we are and the nature of consciousness and our relationship to the universe. Illusions by Richard Bach. The next book I'm going to mention to you is not an easy read, but it can change your life. I've had uh, many friends, very knowledgeable trainers and speakers, teachers and coaches, motivators and others say, this book is best studied in groups 
or with a teacher. Um, it's called The Science of Mind. The Science of Mind. And the author is Dr. Ernest Holmes. This book, too, is about 70 or 80 years old. It was written in the 1930s and was so significant in, in, in its impact coming out of the New Thought Movement of the 19th century, that a whole religion was born around this one book, The Science of Mind. That religion, for years, was known as religious science. Not to be confused with Christian science, and certainly not to be confused with Scientology. Science of Mind gave birth to religious science, and because of the concern that religious science based on this book, Science of Mind, would be confused with some of the others, like Christian science is much more inflexible and dogmatic, and Scientology can even be seen as cultish, uh, in spite of, you know, whatever you learn in Dianetics, which is sort of like Psych 101, pretty basic uh, stuff. But uh, when Ernest Holmes wrote this book, uh, he didn't really intend for it to become a religion. And, uh, as I say, recently, because of concern that science of mind would be confused with some of the similar-sounding religions or dogmas, uh, lots of folks are starting to change the name. For example, the uh, Science of Mind Church, the Religious Science Church in uh, Culver City has changed its name. Uh, many of you know... Um, uh, on the West Coast, if you're in the L.A. area, Michael Beckwith and uh, and his wife um, have a religious center called Agape in uh, uh, Culver City. But that's really a science of mind church. They just changed the name. Also, up in Simi Valley, uh, Dennis Merritt Jones, a religious science uh, practitioner, science of mind, uh, has changed the name of his church from religious science to one spirit, and many are doing that. Uh, science of mind, again, core metaphysical from a Christian tradition. It's not unlike the Unity Church, founded on the writings of Charles Fillmore. In fact, I'll tell you about a book you can read about the Unity Church. Uh, the two main streams of Christianity from a metaphysical point of view, right? Christ as a mind scientist is religious science, which again tends to change its name of late, uh, based on this book, Science of Mind. And the Unity Church out of Missouri. And if you're particularly interested in healing, you know, Christ spent a lot of time healing people and teaching others to do the same. These things I do, you can do and more. And yet, we don't see a whole lot of it. Um, there are some Pentecostal churches or charismatic churches where they'll talk about certain people having a gift of healing or standing receptive to spiritual healing or a laying on of hands, but to make a science of it, not, not just a superstition, but to turn it into a science, you really have to look at this book by Ernest Holmes, The Science of Mind. Again, it's a little deep, but I think you guys can handle it and also some of Unity's work. Now, Charles Fillmore wrote some books, but I think there's a nice collected, uh, a collection of his writings that was put together by a guy named James Gathier, 
again, Charles Fillmore is, in many ways, with his wife, uh, the founder of the Unity Church Movement, Metaphysical Christianity. And I'd recommend the essential Charles Fillmore, okay, Collected Writings of a Missouri Mystic, the essential Charles Fillmore by James, I'm not sure how he pronounces this, Gaither, I guess, G-A-I-T-H-E-R, okay, James Gaither, Gaither, I don't know, Gaither, the essential Charles Fillmore, Collected Writings of a Missouri Mystic. That's really a companion book. Again, anything about unity compared to religious science and uh, vice versa, and you really learn a lot. Of Coming out of it, again, all of this comes out of the New Thought Movement um, that was really born in New England in the early 1800s before the American Civil War. Emma Curtis Hopkins, uh, Phineas Park Quimby, uh, Judge Thomas Troward, um, not recommending any of their books because they're next to impossible to find. But um, that's the movement that really gave rise to both unity and religious science. And I know a lot of you folks uh, have those churches in your community and, uh, and attend them. Okay, let's see what else we have on our list. We're still really talking about personal development titles. Um, this book is even older than the books I've mentioned so far, and I'm not crazy about the title, personally, but I must say this book really bowled me over when I read it. From 1892, written by a medical doctor named Thompson J. Hudson. First name is Thompson, not Thomas, but Thompson, T-H-O-M-S-O-N, Thompson J. Hudson. And it's called The Law of Psychic Phenomena. And this medical doctor wrote this book, a landmark book, first published in 1892. Still published today, I believe Samuel Weiser, uh, the publisher Samuel Weiser, is still cranking this thing out, and I think you'll be able to find it without too much of a problem. In fact, I bought a hardbound copy not long ago at a garage sale, so <laughs> somebody had it sitting there and I had to grab it. This is an incredible book, uh, especially given that it's, uh, what, 116 years old or 106 years old. Uh, what he talks about in here is everything from the fundamentals of the two parts of mind. The and again, this is he's a contemporary of Freud and Jung, and he's talking about the conscious and subconscious mind as the objective and subjective mind, as the will and the imagination. This was real breakthrough writing for me. But he also talks about all manner of psychic phenomena, paranormal phenomena. Uh, gifted children, uh, you know, child prodigies, uh, kids that at four years old have never seen a piano and they walk up to it and start playing classical music. Uh, uh, these amazing things. Even a couple of chapters on animal intelligence where animals were studied, taken away from the owner on loan and studied independently in laboratories because of their ability to do mathematics and uh, 
even square roots and uh, quite remarkable stuff. Also, a fascinating section on vampires and werewolves and where do these stories come from. And uh, I think that uh, <laughs> if you like it even half as much as I did, you're going to want to own a copy of this. So, Thomas J. Hudson, medical doctor from uh, the 1890s, The Law of Psychic Phenomena. Forgive the title, it's much better than you might think. Well, a couple of more classics, and then uh, I, I want to go to the uh, spiritual development books and again remind you to let me know some of your favorite titles. We'll have to do this again because I can see that we're not going to get through all the books that I had hoped to get through, but I want to give you the stories that go with it. Here's an absolute classic. It's a little dry and a little redundant, but it certainly is a classic in the field. Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz, M-A-L-T-Z, Maxwell Maltz, Psycho-Cybernetics. This book, as I recall, was written in the 1950s. It might have been a little earlier than that, but post-World War II. Maltz was a plastic surgeon, believe it or not, and he was fascinated by the way people's lives would change in the wake of a tiny little procedure, like maybe just a little eye tuck or a tiny little nose job, would change a person's life altogether. And so, though he was a medical doctor and a plastic surgeon, he became fascinated by the psychology of self-esteem and the cybernetic relationship of the two minds we've already mentioned. Uh, cybernetic is a big 50-cent word, so let's, let's, uh, let's describe the meaning here. A cybernetic system is any system that reacts or responds to its environment. So if you have a thermostat on the wall and uh, it's taking the temperature of the room, which when it gets too hot, turns on the air conditioner, and if it gets too cold, it turns the AC off, and if it continues to get colder, turns the heater on. That's a, that's a cybernetic system, because it's reacting to its environment. Psycho-cybernetics is saying the mind works the same way. And Maltz uses the example of the heat-seeking missile that is programmed to go toward a particular target until the cybernetic part, the feedback loop, says, uh-uh, you're getting off target. And you have to adjust, adjust, adjust until you're back on target. That feedback loop is the cybernetic part. And he goes on to describe that the mind works in the same way. Not just learning from your mistakes, but a much more complex relationship of the conscious mind to the subconscious mind and... Uh, Again, a breakthrough book long before Est and Silva Mind Control and Mind Dynamics and the surge in popularity in the 60s of, of yoga and mind control and self-hypnosis. This, this is at the very beginning and certainly a book that uh, I would think you'd want to have on your shelf. Uh, let's go back a little bit further. Robert Collier's The Secret of the Ages. This ranks with the Charles Hanel 
master key system as just absolutely fundamental. The book speaks for itself. It is mentioned, though very briefly, in the beginning of the film, The Secret. And this, I think, was one of the breakthrough books for many of the people that uh, put that film and the DVD the, uh, and the book that followed, put The Secret together, based on, uh, again, about a 60- or 70-year-old book called The Secret of the Ages, uh, Robert Collier. Okay. Let's do a couple of more, and then we'll switch over to the um, uh, spiritual development. I think we have to include The Power of Positive Thinking by Dr. Norman Vincent Peale. Very, very important book, The Power of Positive Thinking, Norman Vincent Peale. He had books, he had radio shows, he had TV shows. Move over Tony Robbins. This guy was uh, center stage for a long time in the self-help movement. In the same way, uh, Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, real important book in the area of positive thinking. I also like Dr. Benson's The Relaxation Response from the early 70s. He did a couple other books, but this was the breakthrough book, Dr. Herbert Benson, The Relaxation Response. And, uh, gosh, how many others... My list goes on and on and on. I really want to mention also The Art of Loving by Eric Fromm, a very important book from the 1950s. The Art of Loving by Eric Fromm. There's many others. This is not an inclusive list. I'm just scratching the surface. But let's go to the spiritual development side. And again, I want to remind you, if you're listening uh, on the web now, you can use the submit a question box to tell us about some of your favorite books recommend some books and just put your first name in there and and uh, the city that you're calling from and in a little while and, and again if you have a book you want to recommend one you really like or one you were really disappointed in you can put that on there and I'll go to that in just a second and yeah we will do a uh, brief meditation or guided imagery exercise today now let's go to the spiritual development side, and let me hasten to add as I do this that there is no gutter in between. There's no gap here. Uh, many of these books would qualify to stand in both columns. Uh, and let me also say, I've said this before, but I think it's important to realize that many of us find ourselves on a spiritual path, we aspire to be on some sort of spiritual path, but we haven't really done sufficient work in the personal development area yet. And I need to emphasize that there are many of us in the field that are bridge builders who think it's real important to emphasize personal development as a, as a prelude to the spiritual development and that you know, just as it takes two wings for a bird to fly, this is not really grade school and high school. They work together. And so part of developing yourself as a spiritual being is continuing to work on the persona. You're not going to kill your ego. Uh, you need that thing. <laughs> Don't take kill the ego, that Buddhist thing, too literally. What you want to do is tame it or domesticate it. Uh, you need an ego. Just 
like I often say, let it ride shotgun or put it in the back seat and let the spiritual part, the conscience and consciousness that is the essence of who you are, drive the car. Um, so I just quoted Eric Fromm, one of his, one of my favorite quotes of Eric Fromm is that you must develop the ego to transcend the ego. I think the way he said it was, you must develop the ego in order to let it go. So, having said that, let's look at some of my favorite spiritual development books, starting with The Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manly P. Hall. Now, don't get this confused with The Secret of the Ages, which is Robert Collier's book. You might want to own both of them. Collier's is The Secret of the Ages. Manly P. Hall, in 1927, wrote a book called The Secret Teachings of All Ages. And this book is available in a couple of different formats. It's published by Philosophical Research Society. Um, I spoke there for years. Many of you may have seen me speak there in the 80s, early and mid, even late 1980s, now that I think about it. Philosophical Research is on uh, uh, Los Feliz, there, Griffith Park Boulevard in Los Angeles, and Manley Hall was still alive at that time. He died in, I believe, 1990, at the age of 90 or 91 years old. So, uh, as I recall, he was born in 1900, and the book published in 1927 means he was 27 years old when he published this thing, and it's just a remarkable book. It's expensive now. There's a Golden Jubilee edition that's over $500. The regular hardbound edition, I think, is close to $200. And there's a trade paperback, that um, high-quality paperback, large format, that I think is about $100 still. There is a company, I think it's Penguin Books, that republished this, got permission to publish this for, like, 20 or $25, and it's unabridged in terms of text, but it's missing a lot of the plates and illustrations. So you may want to look for that $20 version by, I'm pretty sure it's Penguin Books, but understand it's missing some of the illustrations and photo plates. Uh, still, uh, a, a book you got to know about, you got to have a copy of it. Um, it, it. It really reveals all of the uh, Rosicrucian, Freemason, Hermetic um, secrets of the ages, the secret teachings of all ages. It's all in there. Western mysticism. Okay. If you like mysticism or think you might like mysticism, there's a classic from about 1905 simply called Mysticism by the great Evelyn Underhill. I absolutely love this book, but I've dedicated my whole life to understanding mysticism and metaphysics, and I just want to warn you that you may find us a little bit deep. Uh, and, and hopefully you'll love that. Maybe you'll really, really dig it, but I think it's a must-have. Mysticism by Evelyn Underhill. I think about 1905 it came out. Still available, and, you know, a lot of these people, even though they've passed on long ago, still have websites available to them. I mean, about them, available to you. And you may even want to Google Evelyn Underhill and see what's up there. But she wrote several books, 
but her magnum opus is simply called Mysticism. Okay. Here's a friend of mine, a guy I've interviewed on the radio three or four times. He's a prolific author. He's written over 30 books. He was a professor at Oxford University when he was in his mid-1920s. He's a brilliant guy, born in India of British parentage, and uh, lives currently in, um, where is Andrew, in Chicago area now, Andrew Harvey. And my favorite book by Andrew is The Direct Path. Again, he's got more than 30 books that he's written. He's an expert on Rumi. But The Direct Path is a nice compendium of different meditations and forms of contemplation, a very practical tool and technique kind of a book to put you directly on the spiritual path from all the traditions and all the cultures and all the ages around the world. You really dig it. Andrew Harvey, The Direct Path, written just about five years ago. We, uh, gosh, when we talk about the spiritual development books and about the coming together of the ancient and ageless wisdom, we've got to, we've really got to acknowledge the great Aldous Huxley and his book, The Perennial Philosophy. Uh, Aldous Huxley died the same day that John Kennedy was assassinated. So that goes back to 1963. And yet his widow has survived him. She's in her mid-90s and as vital as ever, a beautiful, wonderful woman. She lives in Hollywood in the hills and up above the, the Hollywood Reservoir, if you know where that area is, Lake Hollywood, up in that area. And uh, just a magnificent woman, and and I, you know, behind every great man is a, 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 a talented woman. I think uh, Laura Huxley was not so much behind all all this as uh, beside him and, and often in front of him. A great couple, and uh, all this, of course, we know for Brave New World for a number of screenplays. Uh, so you may not know that he wrote, he wrote this incredible book on comparative mysticism and philosophy called The Perennial Philosophy. And it starts with a look at Eastern mysticism, particularly Hinduism and Buddhism and Taoism, and then contrasts and compares that with Western mysticism, the Christian uh, mysticism, Jewish mysticism, Sufism out of Islam, and blends it all together in a really smart way. Much as Blavatsky and Bailey attempted to do, but the Huxley book, The Perennial Philosophy, is so much more accessible. I won't say it's an easy read, but um, really important. And that's a great phrase, by the way. Huxley did not invent that. I think that goes back to Leibniz or somebody a few hundred years back. The Perennial Philosophy, the undying uh, the ageless wisdom, as it's often called in theosophy, and of course that's the name of my website. So esoteric philosophy and mysticism is the ageless wisdom. It's the perennial philosophy, you see. Um, it's also Prisca Theologia, which means the old teachings, the ancient ways. But uh, that's a book you got to have available in uh, paperback, Aldous Huxley, The Perennial Philosophy. Okay? few others I have on my list of uh, my favorite books in the 
spiritual development column. Certainly Course in Miracles, uh, put together uh, by the Foundation for Inner Peace. There is a, a woman in the Chicago area that channeled this information. Some of the best books are seemingly trans-channeled, and this is one of them, Course in Miracles, um, all about love and fear. Love's relationship to understanding, fear's relationship to ignorance, and a whole new take on the alchemy of transmuting fear to love by lifting ignorance to understanding. Course in Miracles, again, uh, a book that, like Science of Mind, may be best read in a study group, you know, put a mastermind group together and uh, or find a teacher who specializes in teaching Course in Miracles. Mary Ann Williamson did that for years. Besides writing her own books, she taught Course in Miracles. Okay. Ever heard of the Self-Realization Fellowship, SRF? I bet you have, especially those of you in L.A. They have the Lake Shrine down there on Sunset near PCH beautiful uh, facility. Uh, they have another one in Hollywood and uh, uh, a third SRF location up in Mount Washington, just south of downtown L.A. They're based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his best-known book, and a great primer in the field, is the Autobiography of a Yogi, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, Autobiography of a Yogi. Wonderful book. And uh, it's his auto, it's just what it says. It's his autobiography. A lot of it is about his youth, uh, growing up in India, and how these kids looked at gurus and swamis and mystics the way we look in the West at rock stars. They would travel around and they would say, "Oh, the the perfume saint is coming to Bangalore. We got to go to Bangalore and see the." Per-. It was like you know the Led Zeppelins coming to town. Uh, you'll you'll love the book if you haven't read it, Autobiography of a Yogi. Here's a book that is not well known, but I highly recommend it. It comes out of the, oh, how shall I describe it? Uh, it's really hermetic, uh, ancient Egyptian philosophy. This is hermetic teaching. It's called the Kabbalion and is not to be confused in any way with the book of Jewish mysticism called Kabbalah. Now, the Kabbalah can be spelled with a C or a K or a Q, um, depending on whether it's basically a Jewish approach or a, a European approach or an American approach. Um, but that's a, a wonderful uh, approach. So you can't go out and buy the Kabbalah, but you can buy books about the Kabbalah or Kabbalistic traditions. Kabbalion, on the other hand, is very different. It predates uh, the Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism, goes back to ancient Egyptian mysticism. Uh, this book was put together in the 40s or 50s, 1940s, 1950s after the war. Many of us believe by Paul Foster Case, who was a member of the Order of the Golden Dawn, along with Israel Regardi and Dion Fortune, and Alistair Crowley was even in Golden Dawn until he sort of went south and got a, got a little dark. Uh, Paul Foster Case also founded Boda, which is still on Figaro Avenue in uh, Highland Park, 
not not just north of Mount Washington, where the SRF, one of the SRF locations, is located. And you can find them on the web at boda.org, B-O-T-A dot org. stands for Builders of the Adidum, or Adidum. The Builders is a reference, again, to Freemasonry in the most ancient tradition. And Kabbalion is, as I say, hermetic philosophy. It's a wonderful book. It's based around seven key principles that, while esoteric, will light you up on the inside. If you're interested at all in this material, you've got to read the Kabbalion by the three initiates. Foster, uh, Foster, Paul Foster Case does not take credit for the book, and nobody really knows for sure who wrote it. It's, again, credited to the three initiates. That's what you got to look for, the Kabbalion, K-Y-B-A-L-I-O-N, Kabbalion, by the three initiates. A book that we know that Case wrote is The True and Invisible Rosicrucian Order, and if you have one book on Rosicrucianism, Christian mysticism, uh, especially as rediscovered and born out of the Renaissance era, uh, Francis Bacon and others. Read The True and Invisible Rosicrucian Order by Paul Foster Case. Very, not easy to find, but again, the great thing about Amazon these days is if you can't find a new one, you can usually get an old one. Okay. From 1901, here's a book I love, just, gosh, lit up my life when I read it 25 years ago or so. Uh, classic in the field, by the father of American psychology, William James, published again in 1902, The Varieties of Religious Experience. And you'll come to find out that here's a fellow who, like Carl Jung, was more of a mystic than a psychologist, really. And you'll eat it up. The Varieties of Religious Experience by William James. Gosh, there's so many others here. Um, trying to, uh, well, let's see. Let me just mention a couple of more, and then I'll go to yours, because we're coming up on the top of the hour here. This is not an easy book to find, but if you're a hardcore mystic and you like Evelyn Underhill's book, Mysticism, I think you'll like the classic by Walter Hilton called The Scale of Perfection. Okay, absolute classic. I, I think it could be three or four hundred years old. I'm not sure. I've forgotten just how old this is. So again, you'll have to do some hunting around, but you may find it on the web. At least I want you to know about Walter Hilton, the scale of perfection. All right. Uh, there's some great middle age mystics I'd like to recommend to you just briefly. Anything by Jacob Boma. B, like boy, O-E-H-M-E, Bohm or Boma, Jacob Boma, The Way to Christ, uh, again, about a 15th century mystic, and uh, his writings will live forever. Just wonderful search for understanding of who we are and what we're for in our relationship to this magnificent universe around us. In the same way, anything by Master Eckhart, Meister Eckhart, the great German Jesuit mystic, he was found guilty of heresy because he would not conform to 
the church's teaching. He 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 wrote and spoke and preached of his love for Christ in such a way that he had to teach what he thought were the true teachings and got him in big trouble with the church. So uh, the Inquisition, he was he was actually uh, charged with 75 counts of heresy by the Inquisition, but uh, before they could try him and execute him for his horrible crimes of seeking the truth, uh, he died of old age just as well, I suppose. But sermons... Um, he has a book called Sermons, Parisian Questions and Prologues that I recommend, and also here's a book I own that I really like a lot, though again, it's it's medieval, it's hundreds of years old, and really for those of you who want to wade into the deep stuff, uh, a book by, uh, well, it was put together by a number of people, really, Houston Smith, you may know that name, also uh, several others, uh, not sure the names, Bernard McKinn and Edmund College, Houston Smith is the name I recognize, great contemporary teacher. They put together, edited a book uh, called Meister Eckhart, The Essential Sermons, Commentaries, Treaties, and Defense. Okay, so I'd recommend that. And, uh, gosh, a few others real quickly. I think we'd have to mention a book that among Catholics is second only to the Bible, Thomas Akempis, The Imitation of Christ, uh, very austere treatment of the non-materialism that Christ taught. You know, Christ wouldn't even wear shoes. And the rich people, if they would come and say, how do I follow you? He said, well, first you've got to give away all your money and all your stuff. The church never teaches anti-materialism. Uh, store your riches in heaven and not on earth. They might say it, but look at the opulence around you and the amount of money that, that the church has. Uh, something to consider. Uh, let's see. Here's a book that bridges the gap. Gosh, there's just so many. What do we do with this? C.G. Jung, Carl Jung's Psychology and Alchemy. Uh, Carl Jung's book on uh, on alchemy and Kabbalah. Great books. Orman McGill wrote a book that really uh, stands one leg in both worlds. It's called Hypnotism and Mysticism of India by the great stage hypnotist Ormond McGill. Um, I believe he just passed. I don't want to. I don't want to eulogize him prematurely, but I think he passed just a few years ago. The great. I hope not. The great Ormond McGill um, and Hypnotism for Personal Development and the Mysticism that it comes out of. Uh, let's see. So many others. Now we're starting to get into some of the uh, Da Vinci Code stuff, like uh, the ones that are not fiction, like Holy Blood, Holy Grail, uh, The Tomb of... Uh, that's by uh, three different authors, uh, Richard Lee, Henry Lincoln, and Michael Bagent. I'm not sure how Michael pronounces his last name. Book written in the early 1970s, Holy Blood, Holy Grail, about the likelihood, very well-documented and researched book about the likelihood that Christ survived the crucifixion, married Mary, Mary Magdalene, moved to France, had a bunch of babies, and there's even the story of the attempt to, uh, in France to restore this lineage to the throne. Um, 
the Merovingian dynasty. It's pretty fascinating stuff. And again, not unlike the Da Vinci Code, this is not a novel. Uh, one of the great books of all time, The Gnostic Gospels by Aline Tegels. Nice introduction. Or a similar one, The Nag Hammadi Library by James Robinson. Both of these people talk about gospels that were found, documented as authentic in the Middle East, and yet... Uh, those who love the King James Version of the Bible are not interested in the, in the Dead Sea Scrolls or the Gnostic Gospels. Uh, they don't want to upset their apple cart, so you may have to, on your own, read uh, those books and check that out. Well, let's see what you guys are recommending. Let's go to the, uh, to the uh, list here and say hi to everybody. I already acknowledge John in Pittsburgh. I've got... Uh, Sal in Los Angeles. He says, this online class is great. This hearing you on KPFK, but glad to see that you're still teaching wisdom through the web. You bet. And by the way, I don't mention it much, but I am doing telephone coaching and mentoring, so if you want to consider that. Carol in La Habra. Hello. Nice to talk to you again today, Carol. In Rachel Cucamonga. Kim says, hi, Michael. Just recently participated in the 10-week online course with Oprah Winfrey and Eckhart Tolle, uh, working with his book, A New Earth, and just the act of focusing on spirituality with a group on a regular basis uh, helped to keep me uh, concentrated and focused in my daily life in a way I had not before, though I'm a long-time meditator and had read the book before. Kim, I think that's an excellent point and a good reason to do these study groups and and these online webinars and other classes. There's a power in group study. Um, you know, I didn't mention Napoleon Hill, uh, you know, Think and Grow Rich, is a book that's on my list. Didn't mention it in spite of its importance, but he always talked about forming mastermind groups and working in groups. Uh, when two or more gather in my name, uh, that kind of thing, real powerful. Lorelei in Huntington Beach says hi. Hello, Lorelei. Uh, let's see. Out of Altadena, Wendy Fellows, she, uh, he, she has a recommendation here by uh, the TM guru, the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, uh, the science of being and the art of loving, or the art of living, rather. Same thing. <laughs> the science of being and the art of living. Thanks for the recommendation, Wendy. I think that's, as I recall, one of his classics, probably his classic book, and it's been around uh, for a long time. Okay, we're hearing also from, uh, where did I leave off? Burbank. Dale and Lisa are in the house. Hi, guys. Nice to hear from you. Out of San Diego, Glenn. Hi, Michael. He's recommending Dr. Joseph Murphy's The Power of Your Subconscious Mind. And i got to concur on that count as well. Glenn says this is one of his favorites, and he also likes uh, Norman Vincent Peale's books, which we uh, mentioned before. But Dr. Joseph Murphy, as I remember, Dr. Murphy had a radio program, and I believe for most of his life taught out of the Los Angeles area. But, um, again, this is mid-20th century, a little before my time, but I concur on the value of the book. It, it is on my list on my website, The Power 
of your subconscious mind or the power of the subconscious mind. I think Glenn says the power of your subconscious mind. Dr. Joseph Murphy. Uh, oh, I'm sorry to hear this. Dale, um, a friend of mine in Burbank just uh, came on to say that uh, Laura Huxley recently died, and I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, that's a great loss for all of us. And uh, I mentioned her just a few minutes ago, the widow of the late Aldous Huxley, and a great author in her own right. Uh, she wrote a book in the mid-1930s, one of the very first self-help books, called You Are Not the Target. And, gosh, you, you all know the law of attraction in The Secret. Uh, I think probably the second most important law, besides the law of attraction, is the law that says, in the given, and there's different ways to say it, but in the given take of, of uh, manifesting your life and being a victim of life, uh, the former is much more important. Life is less about what's done to you than what you do with what's done to you and what you initiate uh, proactively. And that was her message in the mid-1930s with her book, You Are Not the Target. I'm sorry she's passed, but uh, I'm sure she'll continue her work on the other side. You know, Laura, last time I had her on the show, she was doing a lot of work with children and uh, even had uh, some exercises that had to do with unborn souls and praying to the souls of as-yet-unborn babies. Again, a mystical idea, the uh, pre-existence of the soul, that the soul exists before it's born into flesh, is total heresy from the church's point of view, though it's part of the perennial philosophy. Even the early church fathers believed that, but... Uh, People like Origen, for example, um, the great philosopher, one of the early church fathers, uh, he believed in the preexistence of the soul and spoke and wrote extensively about it uh, shortly after uh, the death of Christ. In the 100s or 200s, I think Origen lived in the 200s uh, A.D. And uh, just one of many early Christians, early Catholics, that believed in the preexistence of the soul. And the church took that out later. Uh, let's see. Jeff in uh, Pasadena, he says um, he's recommending Sri Kumar S. Rao, R-A-O, last name R-A-O. Professor, I, I don't, I, I'm not familiar with this fellow, but I appreciate Jeff mentioning it. Professor Sri Kumar S. Rao has lots of good stuff that dovetails with what you've been teaching. Uh, he says, downloads a good read and has a great reading list, Creativity and Personal Mastery by uh, Sri Kumar. I guess that's how you say it, Sri Kumar, uh, S. Rao. And there is a, uh, there are web links here, but I can't read them to you because they're long and uh, I don't have any way to pass those on to you. Maybe I'll try to figure out a way to do that in the future. But thank you, Jeff. Appreciate your recommendation. Lots more coming online. Um, and, uh, yes, <laughs> Dale is going to be my source on who's dead and who's alive today. He said Orman did, in fact, 
past. I mentioned Orman McGill a little while ago, one of the great stage hypnotists of all time, and a man who uh, really, you know, wanted to understand it deeply. He really wanted to understand uh, mysticism and the way in which meditation and self-hypnosis, guided imagery, and uh, movement awareness, yoga, the martial arts, the way all of these psychotechnologies or spiritual technologies, uh, the tools and techniques of the field come out of uh, a mystical search. Well, let me refresh one more time. I think that may pretty much do it. A few more people coming in. Uh, Nani or Noni, that's a familiar name. I think I remember meeting you in Glendale. She says, hi, Michael, uh, just joined it in, but she recommends Catherine Ponder, and she's a unity minister and a prosperity teacher. The uh, the, the book Noni uh, is recommending is The Prospering Power of Love by Catherine Ponder. And, yeah, anything by Catherine Ponder. She's one of the, uh, the great prosperity preachers of all time. Catherine Ponder, if you want to know about how to tap into the abundance of the universe. She's one of the one of the heroes in that area. Well, thanks for your contributions, and again, thanks to all of you for being with us today. Attendance is good again, and I want to remind you we're here every Sunday. If your friends would like to come, please uh, encourage you to tell everybody about it. Forward the email to your friends that you receive on Fridays or the reminder you get on Sunday morning. And uh, get them signed up. Just take them to the website, michaelbenner.com or theagelesswisdom.com. And the splash page that comes up has a big button where you can leave uh, just a first name and an email address, or first and last and an email address. And, and uh, get your friends there, and then they'll get their own. Uh, invitation every week. Okay, so let's do a quick little guided imagery exercise, and uh, then we'll let you go. All right. Again, consider the group. Consider that you're meditating here with lots of people. Okay. So if you're providing it's appropriate, of course, close your eyes, take a nice slow deep breath, pause as you peek and as you exhale, uh, create and sense a feeling of letting go. And do that two or three times. Inhaling through your nose, filling your lungs. Pause for just a moment, and then just as slowly exhale through the nose or the mouth. Inhaling always through the nose. And as you exhale, feel the letting go. Create and sense a wonderful feeling of relaxation. You're in control of the letting go. And the safer you can feel, the more tension you can release and feel it falling away and feel safer still, more and more relaxed. Going deeper, allowing my voice to guide you in to this wonderful level of expanded awareness, a paradise of perfect peace a place of ideal relaxation, an Eden, a beautiful, 
beautiful place. Imagine yourself walking through this garden, through this paradise. Whether you're high in a mountain or deep in a valley, you might be on the seashore or in a pine forest, a tropical jungle, a prairie or sun-drenched meadow full of wild flowers, wherever you find yourself. Allow it to unfold in your mind's eye. Hearing, in addition to my voice, the sounds of birds singing, the wind in the tree. Feel those gentle breezes blowing across your face and smell the wonderful fragrances of nature. And find a place to sit. Find a spot, maybe beside a little stream or a small lake. You may be in a sunny meadow or beneath a shade tree. You might be sitting deep in a cool, dark, enchanted forest. Let your imagination lead you to whatever feels perfectly safe. As you sit upon the earth, feel yourself connected to the earth. Feel yourself grounded and plugged in. As if there was a cable running from the base of your spine, a bundle of wires that was just connected to the earth, that you plugged in as if you were a grounding rod connected to the earth, as if you had roots of your own that reached into the earth and allowed you to imagine how a tree or a single blade of grass might feel to share the common ground of the one life. And as you feel that connection to earth and imagine yourself sitting upon the ground, imagine above you a gentle precipitation down from the cloud of knowable things, the rain cloud of all knowable things gently precipitates upon you. A gentle downward precipitation of spirit, finding a path of least resistance through you and into the earth. Like a gentle rain, spirit seeking matter through consciousness. And you are the medium. You are in the middle. You are the sun of divinity, the daughter of divinity, the child of divinity. Spirit is your father and the earth is the mother and though both have no gender, consider that spirit is causative and matter, mater, is receptive. But you're the conduit and is this gentle flow of spirit rains down upon you. 
consider that in some way it fills you as it finds its way through you and into the earth. Be the medium. Be the path of least resistance. Be the conduit. Be the path for spirit coming into matter, which has an effect of lifting us up. Lifting us up not in a physical way, for you continue to sit upon the earth, but lifting your awareness by standing open and receptive to a flow of spirit into matter. Consciousness is raised. It is the downward and outward flow that creates the inward and upward growth. Feel that. And understand, as we read great books about personal and spiritual development, as we attend webinars and other classes, there's more going on than meets the eye. Not only are you receiving information, as you are right now, through your physical senses, through your ears, reading with your eyes, experiencing movement awareness, asanas and dance. There's more. There is an inner light that grows brighter and stronger, a radiance that has to do with awakening, not just learning new information, but the way in which the books we read and what we learn from our teachers expands upon what we already know intuitively, allowing us by means of this illumination, this greater light, to see that which is within us already, which has been here all along, but there wasn't enough light to see more light, stand open and receptive to more light that you might see. And you can go back and read a book you read a year ago or five years ago and learn more. You've noticed, no doubt. So understand the process is at least twofold in the simplest sense, a matter of receiving information that promotes our growth both personally and spiritually, receiving that information from the world through physical sense and sensation, but honor that downward precipitation, simply forming the intention to stand open and receptive to more light, to the very life force that illumines and animates. You've seen people light up. You've seen the glow of a person who's happy, a woman who becomes pregnant, radiates such that the most obtuse can witness the radiance of new life. Open yourself to that light, to that spiritual influence. Simply stand receptive and know that enlightenment that expanding your awareness, your consciousness, more insight and more understanding 
is less an effort than it is opening and allowing yourself to see insight and understanding that's been there all along. Just let the light come in that you can see it. And allow yourself to sense that inner radiance that also radiates or emulates out from you in all directions. Sense an aura around you that grows brighter and stronger, sparkling and dancing in beautiful ways all around the periphery as you stand open and receptive to this downward flow. Invoke the light that you might evoke the light. Stand open to involution that you can promote effortlessly your spiritual evolution. It only takes an intention, not even an effort, just simply an intention to stand open and receptive seeing glimpses of that brilliance from time to time, open to it now. A simple exercise you can repeat on a daily basis. Even if you only have two or three minutes, you can meditate. Even if you don't have a half an hour or an hour, you could take ten minutes, five minutes, if you're really in a hurry one day and say to yourself, I just don't have time, then sit down for 60 seconds, call your own bluff. And risk discovering the magnificence of your potential as a spiritual being. Let that false self fall away. the true self, the higher self, your better nature, comes forward and radiates in all directions from you. Stand receptive that you become ever more radiant and share that then with others. I'd like you to prepare to, in just a few moments now, Open your eyes wide awake and alert with a full memory of this whole experience that you can repeat and practice this meditative exercise. Tell yourself now, this will be easy to remember, I can do this again. And I see the benefits and the advantages of meditating every day, at least once a day, even if only for a few minutes. And it will be easy to remember this feeling and this process. And bring with you those wonderful feelings of being filled with love and light, being more aware, being the medium of transmission and the path of least resistance for the downward precipitation of spirit into matter. 
that whole sense you can bring with you effortlessly as you prepare to open your eyes wide awake and now as it feels appropriate and good for you take a nice slow deep breath fill your lungs and as you exhale open your eyes now wide awake and alert rested and refreshed <laughs> feeling really radiant and all sort of electrified yeah and uh Again, repeat that little commitment you just made to yourself to develop this interior world, this transcendental sense of yourself. And there will come a day when you understand this to be more real than the physical sense and sensation that comes through your eyes and your ears about the exterior world around you. Awaken to that dream. Well, uh, it's almost uh, 90 minutes, so I'm going to run and let you guys go. Thanks again for being here, for uh, submitting your questions and your comments. i got a couple of others that have come in. Uh, Jim on the Big Island wanted to say hi to you, and others have commented that just don't have time to get to. Uh, nice to have another Hawaiian on board, by the way. Thank you, Jim. And, uh, gosh, remember, we're here every week, so... There's also a podcast available, and I'd love to hear from you if you want to email me at mb at michaelbenner.com. Let me say that more clearly. The at comes after the initials, mb at michaelbenner.com. And there's a button in the lower right of the screen where you can wage inner peace. That means go to focuspassion.com and check out what Steve and I are doing with our Finding Yourself in Paradise premium podcast. It's only 99 cents a week, and uh, you're going to dig it. It's some of the best stuff that either of us have ever done. We get more excited every week uh, about these programs. Finding Yourself in Paradise at FocusedPassion.com. Just click the button that says Wage Inner Peace. Okay. Again, thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for being with us here today. Tell your friends about it, and as always, be gentle, love life, and Take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha.